0: Colossians one fifteen to twenty many valuable or what am I reading reading read the book Um, uh, fifteen to twenty he that is Christ is the image of the invisible God the firstborn of all creation for by him all things were created in heaven and on earth visible and invisible whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities all things were created through him and for him. making peace by the blood of his cross. There are many valuable books that have been written about the church. Some discuss the nature of the church while others discuss the officers of the church. Some talk about the necessity of the church while others talk about the ministries of the church. Some discuss children's church and youth groups while others argue against specific age-specific ministries. Some talk about discipleship while others talk about worship. While the new year is upon us, and we need to give some thought to what we are as a congregation of our Lord Jesus, we need to give some thought about where we are and where we are going. In other words, what will become of our congregation over the next six to eight months? Therefore, I'm going to do a short series on the doctrine of the church. I will not be covering every aspect. Rather, I have selected a few from our book of church order. Today, we want to consider the most important, fundamental, foundational, underlying principle relative to the doctrine of the church. And that truth is this. Christ is the head of the church. Christ is the head of the church. Now repeat that after me. Christ is the head of the church. Okay. That means that John Hunt is not the head of this church. That means that the session is not the head of this church. That doesn't mean the session doesn't have any authority, but it just means that we are not the head of the church. Jesus Christ is the head of the church. Now I want to draw your attention to the scripture that we just read. I want you to see that Jesus is God. That Jesus is preeminent and that Jesus, because of that, is the head. So first of all, Jesus is God. We read in Colossians that He is the image of the invisible God. And that's not speaking about his, uh, Him as God, God the Son in His deity. It's speaking of him about Him as a man, as the Christ. That's why Psalm 8 is picked up by the book of Hebrews and applied to Christ, because Christ is fully human, and yet He's fully divine. The Scripture here makes it clear. He's the image of the invisible God, and that's His body. The Son of God is the image of the invisible God. Do you want to know what God is like? Have you ever wondered? What does God look like? You're never going to see Him. John says that no man has ever seen Him or or will see Him. Paul says that we will never see God because He dwells in inapproachable light. So how are we going to ever see God? We're going to see Jesus. Yes, right. When we worship in heaven, we'll be worshiping God, but it's going to be through our mediator Christ because that is the only way that we can see Him. Amen. So you want to know what God looks like? Look at Jesus. Study Jesus. Read about Jesus. Read about Him in the Word of God. Learn from Him when He preaches on the, sh- on the mount. Remember the Sermon on the Mount? You've heard that it was said, you know... You shall not commit adultery. But I say to you, um, you've heard it is said that you shall, you know, hate your enemy, love your neighbor, hate your enemies. But I say to you, he just kept doing that. He was interacting with the Jewish, uh, with the with the Pharisees, teaching on the law, and he was he was telling people, no, that's not the truth. This is the truth. What I'm telling you is the truth. So you want to know what Jesus? Who he is? Read about him. Read the scripture. Listen to Him when He prays. Read John 17. You want, to know how Je- you want to know how to pray? You want to know how to pray as a man? Look how Jesus prays to His Father. Now, not everything in there is going to be applicable to you. I mean, we can't say, God, give me the glory that I had with you before the ages began. I, you can't say that. I can't say that. But we can pray that God the Father would be glorified. Through Christ and His people, we can pray. But you get a you, know, you get a picture of Christ praying in John 17. So you want to hear what he what it's like? You want to know what it's like? How does the Son pray? Well, here there's a good example of it. There are other examples too. Hebrews is full of examples about prayer, and they're all about how Christ prays. Well, that's how we're supposed to pray. And then then Paul says he's the firstborn. Of all creation, the firstborn of all creation. Jehovah's Witnesses use that um, to mean that he's, that he's the first one who was ever created. So, only God the Father existed, and then He created Jesus, and uh, Jesus is the firstborn, therefore, of all creation. Um, but that, does not, that statement doesn't mean that, that the Son was created. It does not mean that there was a time at which He did not exist. doesn't mean that. It means that he holds the place of firstborn. That is, he holds the place of honor before all creation. The title is a title of honor. It's not a title of uh, chronology. Right, we've got to think of this. You remember when Joseph was blessing his sons, right? And uh, Not Joseph. Judah was blessing his sons. And Joseph brought his two sons. And he said, this one's mass and this one's... Manasseh, this one's different, you know. And so, uh, as as Jacob is blessing them, he switches hands, puts his right hand on the younger son, and his left hand on the older. And Joseph tries to move him. No, no, father, this one is the elder. He's the firstborn. No, this is the firstborn. Mm-hmm. Why did he do that? Because well, that's he he was giving him the place of honor uh, in in Joseph's family. Well. That's what Christ is among, at least as, as bearing His human uh, humanity. He is, he is the one who inherits all that the Father has planned for this creation. Whatever God in His... Whatever, whatever, whatever the Father has planned, whatever God has planned for this creation, which I don't even understand. I mean, when you think about it, have you ever seen the earth from Jupiter... Probably not because you can't hardly see the Earth from Jupiter. It's so far away and we're so small. And the further you get out, we become invisible. You know. But as you're coming in, you see this nice blue little planet. I mean, they do all this. I love it when they do these photography things. But what, what, what purpose is Jupiter? Well, what purpose is, is, is Pluto? You know, one, one year it's a planet. The next year, it's not. I mean, what, you know what? What purpose is Jupiter? What purpose is Pluto? What's the use of having asteroids except to threaten us? Like, oh, we're going to have another hoop, boom! Boom! going to hit us. That's all. That Why do they exist? Why are there duck billed platypuses? Have you ever asked that? Why Why do they exist? I have no idea. They, God wants them. That's all I know. God wants it that way. So, Uh guess what? Whatever God has planned for the entirety of creation, whatever He has planned for it, guess who inherits it? Jesus Jesus Christ, Christ the firstborn. And guess who inherits it because He's the firstborn? Us. Mm -hmm. Me. You. (laughs) We get to inherit it because we are in Christ. He's the firstborn of creation in that sense. Now, there's another sense which we're going to see in a minute that He's firstborn again. Paul mentions it. But, because He's firstborn, he's the firstborn of the resurrection. So, that has implications for us too. But I just want you to see this. Being the firstborn of creation has nothing to do with Him not existing at some times. Um, he is not created. You know why? The verse tells us, because He created Everything. So he couldn't create created himself. um, But then Paul also says that he incarnates God. He incarnates God. That is, he, he puts God in flesh for us. In Christ, all the fullness of God dwells. Now I want you to catch this one. I love this one. Learned this from a Reformed Baptist guy I knew a long time ago. I want you to look at Colossians chapter 2 verse 9 where Paul says virtually the same thing only he adds a word to it. Colossians 2 verse 9. For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. The whole fullness of deity. Now what is that word? It's phaetis theatetas. There's only two places that word is used in in the Bible and the New Testament specifically. Here and in Romans chapter 1, verse 20. Turn over there. Romans chapter 1, verse 20. his invisible attributes namely his eternal power and theatetas. theatetus his eternal power and his divine nature and so I want to tell you that what Paul is saying is that the incarnate Jesus the son of God is not only man but he is God as well he is the God-Man. hyphen Now, that's either true or false, isn't it? It can't be both. It can't be that Jesus. It can't be that Paul's writing about some man who existed back sometime when Paul was there. It can't. It can't be true that uh, uh, that Paul invented this guy. I mean, that could be true. Maybe Paul did invent him. But then, that, then the statement that Paul makes is false. So you're always faced with this decision, right? Are you gonna believe it or are you not? You're gonna believe the witnesses or are you not gonna believe the witnesses? You're gonna believe what the Bible says or you're not gonna believe what the Bible says. That's what you're faced with every time you read the scripture. It's gonna slap you in the face every time you open the Bible. Do I really believe this? And you know what? We all struggle with that, don't we? At some point or other in your life, whether you've gone through it now or not, I don't know, but at some point in your life, you're going to ask yourself, do I really believe this? Do I really believe this? Do I really believe that Jesus was more than a man that people today try to talk about? Read New York, uh, The New Yorker, or whatever that magazine is. You know, they all talk about Jesus. There's even a movie that's produced now about Jesus. And they're all lies. So I have a choice. I believe this, or I believe lies. One or the other. They can't both be true. So, what makes God, God, did I say that right? What makes God, God, dwelt in bodily form in Jesus Christ... Okay? so Jesus is God. Secondly, because he's God, of course, he's preeminent over creation. Why? Well Paul says that he created all things, for by him all things were created. Whether they're in heaven or they're in earth, whether they're visible or invisible, He created, All things. Well, of course, then He has to be preeminent over them. He is glorified by the creation. He created all these things, heaven and earth, visible and invisible, thrones or dominions or rules or authorities. All things were created by Him. Some versions read through Him. That's a translation decision um, that I choose to make the other way. So... um, but it is a translation, just through Him, or by Him, and for Him. And He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. He's glorified by the creation. Wow. Jesus, the man who walked this earth, who was probably maybe as tall as Dan, fine mark. I mean, you know... Jesus wasn't he was born a Jew okay he didn't have nice golden locks you know he um, he wasn't big and tall he wasn't a, a, um, what do you call those guys a power ranger he wasn't that And we're going to look at sometime later we're going to look at Isaiah 53 and we're going to see actually it's Isaiah 49 40 yeah 49 he you know he wouldn't he wouldn't, he wouldn't damage a bruised reed. So he was he was a gentle man, he was compassionate, you know, and here he is, he's God in the flesh. Amazing. And notice what this says. This Son of God who became man holds. All things together. All things he holds together. Uh, Look over at Hebrews chapter 1. Hebrews chapter 1. Beginning in verse 1. Long ago. That many times and in many ways God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days has spoken to us by His Son whom He appointed the heir of all things. You see that firstborn? Through whom also He created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God. So if, if, so if you take Jesus away from God He doesn't shine as much, right? Maybe not at all. He's the radiance of God's... Shine. Just think, take the radiance of the sun away. What would you see? Whether it be, what use would it be? It'd be about as useful as Pluto. <laughs> he's the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of His nature. Oh wow! He is the exact. He's the character. That's what it is. He's the imprint. Boom boom. Character. Uh, character means to imprint something. He is. He is the exact imprint. The exact imprint of. Um, Of God's nature, of His, of uh, the word is hypostasis, and it and it means it could mean that which settles to the bottom of a lake. In other words, it's foundational. You can't get any, you can't get any more than that. It's the very thing that makes God God. He is the exact representation of that. And then uh, the writer goes on to say. That He upholds the universe. How? By the word of His power, and that word is a word that's spoken. It's a spoken word. God, the the Son speaks and it holds together. So get this. Um, most of you know this, and some of you may not. But it's a classic illustration. I was meeting with this physicist once who. Um, um, we, we, we would have discussions about the Bible. Um, and he, uh, he said, well, the Bible can't be true. And I said, why is that? And he said, well, I remember in Joshua. See, these guys know the Bible, right? They know the parts that they object to. So he says, um, well, it can't be true because, you know, God told Joshua or answered Joshua's prayer. Joshua said, Sun stand still, you know, in the valley, and, and that's it. And it didn't move. And I said, uh, you don't believe that that could happen? He goes, no, that couldn't have happened. And I said, why? He said, because everything would just fly off. There wouldn't be nothing. you got to stop the motion. Everything is destroyed. And I said, really? I said, you know, the book of Hebrews says that, that Jesus upholds the universe by the word of his power. So I said, you know what? If God, if, if the Son said, you know, hold, if he put the whole universe on hold... You mean to tell me that He couldn't do that? If He's God, He couldn't put the whole... He created it, He couldn't put it on hold for that amount of time? And He goes, well, uh, yeah, you know, if you're going to believe that. I said, "But well, that's what the Bible says. Jesus put hold. He said, hold, stop. And everything just stopped. It didn't fall apart. It wouldn't fall apart. It couldn't fall apart because Jesus was upholding it while it stopped. You know, so... You know, the, the objection just doesn't make any sense. It just You're saying that God doesn't exist because He doesn't exist. Because I don't believe He exists. And so that can't happen. That's all you're saying. Jesus upholds it all. He's preeminent over all of it. Because He's God. Thirdly then... Because of all that, therefore, Jesus is the head of the church. Because like creation, He is over all things, so also He is head of His body, the church. This all points to the truth that Jesus is the head of the church. That's what we said when we started, right? Jesus Christ is the head of the church. That's what we believe. We have seen that he is preeminent over creation. We have seen that he is both God and man. We must therefore conclude that, like creation, Jesus is the head of the church. He is the head, like your head controls your body. I'll tell you what, Joffrey, I'll rip off your head and watch, see, like, see if you can walk on. <laughs> what happens when you move your head? Your body doesn't function, right? Your brain controls everything in you, and you don't even think about it. Do you? Do you sit there at night and go, "I gotta breathe another time. I gotta breathe it. I gotta be Pretty soon, you'll be out of breath trying to tell yourself to breathe. You know? Do you, you know? Do you tell your heart to pee? do? You tell your heart to beat. Come on, buddy, get going. You don't do that. Why? Because your head is controlling it. Well, that's an image that. Christ has of the church that we, that He is the head and we're the body. And that means He runs the show. He calls the shots. He says what is and what is not acceptable in worship, in evangelism, in discipling, in life, in everything you think and say and do. He is in charge. Now, I want you to, I want, do you believe that? Amen. What? Yes. Yes. All right, I want you to say this. He is in charge. Right? He is, he is in charge of this church of you? Yes, of this church. Phil Ward is not in charge. Mike Hood's not in charge. Yours truly is not in charge. That's you know, <laughs> being a leader is horrible cuz you're not in charge. That's, a, you know, that that's really hard. You're supposed to be a leader, but you're not in charge. You know What that means is that, I. where do I go from my instruction? We go to the Scripture. We go back to our head. What does our head want us to do? And that's what we do. And if he's really in charge, then we do it. Well, that's what the OPC believes, and this is how the OPC functions. Now, I'm going to give you an extended statement from our book of church order, because you, we're facing the end of the year, The beginning of a new year, we need to have this down. Okay, we need to have this down. Jesus, the king and head of the church. That's the first chapter of our book of church order. Jesus Christ, upon whose shoulders the government is, whose name is called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace of the increase of whose government and peace there shall be no end, upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and justice, from henceforth even forever, having all power given unto him in heaven and, on, and in earth by the Father, who raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in the one which is to come." and put all things under His feet, and gave Him to be the head over all things to the church, which is His body, the fullness of Him that fills all in all. He being ascended far above all heavens, that He might fill all things, received gifts for His church, and gave offices necessary for the building up of His church, for making disciples of all nations, and perfecting all saints. So you see that the head, right? Right? has given officers, I would say, offices, officers to the church, Waterfill, or Micah Hood and I. We are officers under his direction. Always under his direction. There is therefore but one king and head of the church, the only mediator between God and man, Jesus Christ, who rules in his church by his word and spirit his mediatorial office includes all the offices in his church that belongs to his majesty from his throne of glory not only to rule his church directly but also to use the ministry of men in ruling and teaching his church through his word and spirit thus exercising through men his own authority and enforcing his own laws the authority of all such ministerial office rests upon his appointment who has ordained government in his church revealed its nature to us in his word and promised his presence in the midst of his church as the government is exercised in his name that's a mouthful but it summarizes everything we are christ orders his church by the rule of his word the pattern of officers ordinances government and discipline set forth in scripture is therefore to be observed as the instruction of the lord Church government must conform to the scriptural pattern and follow the specific provisions revealed in the New Testament. In those circumstances not specifically ordered by scripture, the church must observe the general rules of the word. You can hear the confession of faith coming out in all of this. Among the biblical admonitions applicable to all circumstances are those requiring that all things must be done decently, in order, and for edification. A particular form of church government is bound to set forth what Christ requires for the order of His church and to arrange particular circumstances only in the manner, to the degree, and for the purposes that the Lord of the church has appointed in Scripture. The Presbyterian form of government seeks to fulfill these scriptural requirements for the glory of Christ, the edification of the church, and the enlargement of that spiritual liberty in which Christ has set us free nevertheless the enlargement of that spiritual liberty in which Christ has set us free um, nevertheless what did I do I missed nevertheless while the scriptural government is necessary for the perfection of church order it is not essential to the existence of the church visible you get that what's happening in China is not it's really not kind of normal right right What's happening in China is that they're going to go to a house church and maybe there will be an elder there and maybe there won't be an elder there, but they're going to continue as the church because Christ is with them. So they are important and they're necessary, but not we should say not absolutely necessary. Jesus Christ, having ascended into heaven, abides in His church by the Holy Spirit whom He sent. Through His Spirit He has given His Word, revealing His ordinances. Through the Spirit also He exerts His saving and governing power in the teaching of His Word and the administration of His ordinances. The Lord's supper and baptism, what's that referring to? Only by the gifts and calling of the Spirit are men endued and qualified for the office in Christ's church. Now we're going to look at some of that leadership in another sermon, but I wanted you to see today. I hope it's nailed down. I think it was even before I started, but I want to make sure. Who's the head of the church? Christ Christ is the head of the church. Okay. Well, we learn today that Jesus Christ, the incarnate Son, was and remains God in human flesh. He created all things and all creation holds together. is sustained by the word of His power. He is preeminent over all things. Therefore, He is the head of the church, which is His body. Don't get sidetracked and never, ever forget that no pastor, no bishop, no elder, no pope, not any any man anywhere and any time is head of the church. Jesus is the head of the church. Jesus is the head of the church and no one else. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we do give you thanks for your love and your goodness to us. We pray that uh, as we go through our lives together as a church, that we will always, always remember and acknowledge and live in light of the fact that Jesus Christ is the head of His body. It is to Him that we must submit. And through Him to glorify and enjoy You forever. Our God, we pray we would do so. In Christ's name, Amen.